Have you thought about how much time and energy we put into sports? You think about this time of year, it's that time of year where some are hunting. Many, many are watching football as the season begins to wind down and move towards playoffs and bowl games and all that stuff. Basketball already started and hockey. And soccer seems to always be on or going on. So, that's a lot. We also do things individually. We, we pay for fitness club memberships and golf course memberships. Uh, we pay for game tickets and even season tickets for our favorite teams. We buy jerseys and other apparel, declaring our loyalty to them. And many of us also love to play them. I mean, I know I have my favorite. Uh, I, I love to play just about anything. That's why my body's so beat up. But you know, even back in the apostles' days, they loved sport. Maybe you heard of the Olympics? Yeah, they were pretty uh, enamored with sport as well. And Paul used a lot of sports analogies in his messages, in his letters, and in his teaching. And one of his favorite ones, or at least one he used a lot, he talked about finishing the race, or something about the race. And he does this over and over. So that's where we're going to go today. But like in all analogies, there's more meaning there. And I truly believe the only way we fully understand Scripture is through the work of the Holy Spirit. So let us pray as we begin our message this morning. God Almighty, how many times do we say that, God Almighty? What does it really mean to us? Do we take it for granted? I think in those two words, we, we, we lift up to you, Lord, all, all those things that we, uh, uh, all those labels we give for greatness and for power and for things we can't even understand. You're our creator, and yet you want to have a relationship with us, Lord. And the only way that's possible is through your grace, nothing that we do. So we come to you humbly, unworthy, but for your son that came, walked, and experienced what we experience to the ultimate price on the cross for us. And it's through that body broken and that blood spilt that we can even come to you now. And through that he brought us your Holy Spirit. So we ask that you fill us now, that you forgive us, your people, for our sins and our trespasses, and that you help us to truly forgive, Lord. Help us to truly forgive and fill us with your Spirit and teach us through your Spirit. Change us as we just sang, Father. Conform us, transform us. This we pray to you. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. So, we're going to do something a little different this morning. There's no slides, number one. We'll see how that goes. If you don't have a handout, the outline, there's extras. Paul is doing with Vanna White in the back. Let him know. He'll bring you one. And so is Travis on this side, if you need uh, an outline. 
has the scripture verses for you. It's in, I think I did it in 14 font to help those of us that are wearing uh, vision assistance. And I gave you some blanks. Why did I do this? Well, God gave me this message. And trust me, He spoke to me through it as I put it into my words as best I could. So He gave me the message He wanted for me. But the Holy Spirit is here. If you, don't, if you didn't feel it earlier, trust me, it's here. He's here. And I don't care what blanks I want you to fill in. I want you to fill in on your own sheet what these words say to you. Because that's what matters. If you take anything out of here, it's not going to be some magic word I uttered. It's going to be something the Holy Spirit tapped you and spoke to you about. And it may, I guarantee you, it won't even be the same message your spouse got. So write your own notes. Write down what matters to you. I know many people do this in their Bible, and that's fantastic too. Whatever works for you. But write it down. Pull it out a month from now and see what God's done with it. It's not a stagnant thing. This is not a one day a week thing. This is a walk we make with the Lord. So, walk. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk about racing with the Lord. So, as I said, Paul um, uses this analogy a lot. And so, I also said we're going to do this a little different. We're going to start at the end of Paul's ministry and work our way forward, or backwards, I guess, whatever way you want to look at that. Because it made sense to me, and that's the way the Lord brought it to me. And I know that seems strange, but isn't that what we do with Christianity? Don't we believe first, and then we figure out what it all means? Isn't that kind of backwards? Because if we don't believe, there's no point in figuring out what it means. So belief comes first. So here... We're going to look at the wisdom of Paul at the end of his days. And we're going to start in uh, 2 Timothy 4, verses 5 through 8. And, and before we do this, before we read this, I want you to understand what's going on. Paul is in prison in Rome. He's been there for around about two years. He's towards the end. Okay, He's towards the end. He's not physically dying. His health is okay. But they have slowly taken away his liberty. He knows they are about to take away his life. So as we read this, understand he's on his deathbed, but his health is okay. As he's writing to Timothy. And thank the Lord it was preserved, so he's also writing to us. Okay, so with that said, 2 Timothy 4, 5-8. through 8. Please stand for the reading of God's Word. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day, 
And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. So, here again, I'm going to start at the end. What does that say at the end? Loved his appearing. Loved his appearance. Loved his face. Loved him. So it all, everything else we talk about, hinges on that. Do you love his appearance? If you love his appearance, if you love him, and you run the race, there's a crown. Okay? I couldn't stop right there. If it's about finishing the race and receiving the crown that is eternal, what does the rest of the things that come up in our life mean? Nothing. So this is the point that Paul has come to. This is the reality that he has uh, sitting there in this damp, cold, stone-floored, maybe something to sit on prison, if he's lucky, some clean straw every once in a while to lay his head. And this is where he is. And he says, I have fought the good fight. Well, what fight? Do you, I know sometimes we lift our, our, our faith heroes up and, and we put them on these pedestals. He was a man. No different with the things that challenge him as any other man in here other than he lived in a different time. Do you not think he was tempted? Do you not think that many times he wanted to quit? He was beaten nearly to death multiple times. And the crazy man was back at it preaching the next day. Yes, he fought the good fight. He didn't quit. He had plenty of excuses. He says, I have finished the race. What kind of race? I don't think you could, can, can take Paul's life and call it a sprint. His ministry is the greatest ever in history. Definitely not a sprint. Billy Graham, I don't think you could call his ministry or his life a sprint. No, it was a marathon. And he finished the race. And as I said, he kept the faith. What faith? It wasn't faith in him. His faith was in his call and in who called him. If your faith is in the one who calls you, and he calls you, how can you quit? You see, he kept the faith. He knew he was called from the day he met Christ on the road to Damascus. So, have you all had your Damascus yet? Has he called you to something? I can't answer that. So, as I said, we started at the end. Let's, let's continue on. But remember again, what does all this hinge on? Do we love Him? And if so, do we answer the call? And if we do, at the end, there's an eternal crown. These are directly from these words from Paul. So, let's move backward in time a little bit as we find his letters to the word uh, to the hebrews and we're going to be in verse or chapter 12 verses 1 through 6 
Um, again, that's Hebrews 12, 1 through 6. And we're going to stand one more time for the reading of his word. Hebrews 12, 1 through 6. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, think about that, he knew the joy that was to come. He knew the eternity that was ahead. And through it, endured the cross, despising the shame, putting it aside, forgetting it, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Catch that? He experienced it for us. So we would have a model to know that we can too. So that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of death. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? Now this comes from Proverbs 3. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. I won't make you stand up again. So, there. Number one. Look at your outline. Look at those verses. How many us's and ours and we's, those pronouns? He does not say I, I, I. It's plural. He was not running this race by himself. Everything he's speaking about is plural. So, sin, temptation, trials, disappointment, even good times. These things challenge our faith. Just as they challenged Paul, he was not superhuman. That was Christ. They challenged Paul. Anyone facing temptations, trials, disappointments, failing health? How about success? How does success become a challenge to our faith? Well, any of these things could cause you to step out of the race. Things are going so great, I must have won the race. I don't have to do it anymore. All things are good. Um, what's that? There's a commercial. guy says, Deep Couch City. Right? He finally gets to sit and rest and relax. Talking about he's raising his son. Deep, deep Couch City. You see, that's, that's the, the devil trying to pull... Workers, people that have answered the call out of the race. Because if nobody finishes, the devil wins. All these things pull us out of the race. And again, plural pronoun. 
us out of the race. We cannot run it alone. If you've ever watched a bicycle race, if you watch the Tour de France, there's teams. And what do they do? They get behind each other and then they take turns, just like the birds and the flocks. They take turns who's in front. And when that one gets weary, they fall back and another one leads and they cut the wind for us. You see, we're in this race together. And it's a marathon. It's not about today and it's not about tomorrow and it's not about next week. It's not about when we get a new pastor and when we don't. It's every day continuing the race. Whatever we're called to, whatever service He has placed on our heart, that's our part of the race. It might be our turn to be in front today and someone else's tomorrow. But we're in the race with them. We're not alone. So, think about this. How does He do it? How does He do it? What does Paul tell us? He says in verses 3 and 4, Think of all the hostility He, being Jesus, endured from sinful people. Then you won't be weary and give up. After all, you have not given your lives in your struggle against sin. What is He talking about? Jesus died. Well, that's the wisdom of this world because the wisdom of the Spirit, we know Jesus rose. Amen. And He lived through everything we have to live through. The hostility of the sinners. He faced it all. Every bit of it. The devil threw everything he had at him. Have you ever watched The Passion of the Christ? That's the closest thing I've ever seen to what a cat of nine tails does to a body. And he received lick after lick after lick with that thing. And it pulls chunks of skin with every crack. To the point where we see these, especially when you look at the older movies that depict the crucifixion of Christ, he looks like he's a little sweaty and dirty, but that's about it. No. His mother probably could not actually recognize him. So he not only experienced the temptation and the pain and the rejection that we experience, he, he felt it, it, no ache that we will ever have can compare to what he went through. Now, why did he go through it? See, this is where we get our strength. Why did he go through it? He went through it for me. He went through it for Gavin. He went through it for Rick. He went through it for Casey. He went through it for Cole. He went through it for all of us. And, and what's so strange, just like the, the letter uh, that Casey read, how that, that woman was sitting there going through the people in her life, saying, I love you. I love you. I guarantee you that's what he was doing. Except he was doing it for me. And I hadn't even been born yet. He went through and said, I love you. That's why I'm here. To everybody that was, is, and ever will be. And then, I dare you to say, Lord, I'm too tired today to do what you called me to. Hold on to that reality of what Christ did. Truly, what He did. Yes, He was God, but He's also human. That's the whole uniqueness of Christ. He had to be human not just God. He couldn't come possess a human. It wouldn't work. He had to experience everything 
all the negative, all the hurt that we could ever experience. And he still could have said, no, just kidding, don't put them nails in my hands, and ended it, but he didn't. He put his hands out there. There's our strength. Do we need more strength than that? Man. Us. He did it for us. All right. Back up just a little bit more. Paul's letter to the Corinthians. I said this is a marathon. There's many runners. And there's a great, great reason for that. Great reason for hope. So... 1 Corinthians 10, verses 23 through 33, and it's a little long, so where'd my water go? What'd I do with my water? Phyllis was concerned about me and nice enough to come and pray for me, so I set my water down. You guys got it? 1 Corinthians 10, 23 through 33. All things are lawful. You see, this ties us together, so follow along. And I'll give you a hint. We're not just talking about meat, okay? All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the grounds of conscience. Now, let me pause there. I want you to understand the meat market. They didn't have an H-E-B, okay? Um, I know we, we understand that they sacrificed animals, right? The Hebrews sacrificed animals. Sacrifices with the Hebrews ended up being a big feast. Yes, the animal was sacrificed. The meat wasn't tossed. They cooked it and ate it and celebrated. Well, that's what the pagans did too. Except... Anybody know their mythology very well? Roman or Greek? Pick one. How many gods did they have? Yeah. Temples all over Corinth. Corinth was a city of about 250,000 people. Maybe as much, close to 500,000. Think about how many temples were there. They couldn't build the humongous, humongous, humongous ones we do. It took them 100 years to build one. They were all over the place. Guess what was sold in the meat market, in the city market? The meat from the temples. You couldn't get meat that wasn't sacrificed to idols. It was all sacrificed to idols. So they're, they're talking about, can we eat the meat in the market? Well, Paul said, yeah, that's where we're going. But there's more to it. He says, eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. Why? Because if you're fully a believer, you know, okay, you just sacrifice some piece of concrete somebody carved. Big deal. No big deal. I don't worship that God, and I wasn't a part of that celebration or that worship. God gave me this meat, or he gave me the money to go buy it, and I thank him for it. Okay, that's where we're going. So, for the earth is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's. Tie that back. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. Everything on the earth is okay for us. It's the liberty we have 
from God. This is what he's talking about. They're arguing over what this liberty means. So he says, But if someone says to you, This has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you. Not, and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be, be determined by someone else's conscience? Now that's a little bit of a... He's kind of being facetious. Why does that matter that this person has questioned me? Because that person obviously doesn't fully understand the liberty they have in God. The liberty that their faith in Christ brings. So by you exercising that liberty, caring only for yourself, you cause them to question what is right. And you challenge them, and they may take it even further. Well, if he can do it, then I can do it. And then tomorrow he's asked to go, hey, we're having a sacrifice at the temple to whoever. Come on. And then he says, well... So-and-so did it. They've been a Christian for 10 years. Okay, off I go. You see, we cause them to stumble. And this, this is Paul's concern. This is how we run the race together. This is why it's a marathon for all of us. Yes, we have liberty. All things are allowed, but not all things are good, you see. So, it says, If I partake with thankfulness... Why am I denounced? Because of that for which I give thanks. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, and here's the answer, do all for the glory of God. You see, that is the bottom line. Lord, if I do this today, is it for your glory? That's the question. That's the bottom line. Give no offense to Jew or Greek or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. You see, when people accept God, accept Christ, and follow Him, finish the race, then God has glory. Why? Because His kingdom is enlarged, and we share together for eternity. If we cause someone to stumble, it's not looked on very well. Sometimes we get out of the race. Have you ever seen someone try to get out of a race when a crowd a crowded people around them? They cause people to stumble. There is much here, folks. There is much here. So Paul is answering this question that has come to him from the people in Corinth. And what he's telling them is, you have liberty through Christ, but your liberty does not overlap to deny someone else's. If you are called to run the race, then you called, you're called to run the race for His glory, not for your own. And this is where we are. I think I see it every day here in our church. I, I don't... I don't know what's happening. Our numbers are down. It's like the priorities are off. People are trying to get out of the race or maybe taking a break. Can I tell you, I don't care who we call and who God brings here. They're not going to fix everything. 
The person who's in charge today is the one who will be in charge when the new pastor comes. If we're not listening to him now, we're not going to listen to him then. Stay in the race. Run the race we've been called to run. We're called as individuals and we're called as a church. So first church, let's run the race together. We're going to celebrate here in a few minutes. uh, Communion. He was, when he introduced this most wonderful of Christian traditions, the sacrament, he was laying there with these people who had literally sweated and bled with him. They had been through storms. They had been through impossible situations. Paul urges us to finish the race, just as he urged Timothy. He urges me and he urges you. And more importantly, Christ urges us. Philippians 3, 13-14 says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see, there we are. Back to the love of God in Christ. So, There's only one question that we need to answer. Do we love our liberty given to us by God more than we love God? Do we? Do you? Do I? Because when we say no to a call, or not yet, we're choosing our liberty over God. So I'll repeat Paul's words. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. First church, let's finish the race. All to the glory of God. And when we're done, and when we're done, we can fall into the open arms of a gracious, loving God. And then we can rest. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, let the way we live bring glory to your name. Shine your light to the world through us in all that we do. Help us to build up our brothers and sisters and not cause others to stumble. Have your way in us, as we sang earlier, Lord. Have your way in us and in your church. Be the head of this body and direct us in righteousness, right choices, right living, righteousness, your righteousness. Build us up in your holiness. Continue to build us and make us. Conform us, transform us. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. 
and being with us always, even until the end of the age. Fill us to overflowing as we prepare ourselves to celebrate in this Holy Eucharist, sharing in the body and the blood of your wonderful sacrifice. This we pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Okay. So, uh, think, uh, ponder, hold on to the message, whatever the Holy Spirit spoke to you. As we prepare for this time of sharing, as the ushers come forward, this is the meal, the celebration, the holy sacrament that the Lord has ordained. And He commanded, He didn't invite or ask, He commanded His disciples to partake of the bread and of the wine as emblems of His broken body and His shed blood. So this is His table, not just this little table, but this is His table. This is His family. So let all those who have with true repentance forsaken their sins and have believed in Christ for their salvation draw near and take and share with His people. Let us remember that it is the memorial of His death and His sacrifice and His passion. You understand the word passion? His passion was for us and He wanted us to share. So the passion of our Lord as a token also of His coming. Let us not forget that we are one at one table with one Lord. Lord, we pray, bless these elements. Cover them with your Spirit. Cover our time together. Draw us to you. Hold us close. Help us through whatever challenge we may have as we share in your broken body and your shed blood. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, with, who out of your tender mercy gave your only Son, Jesus Christ, to suffer in death upon the cross for our redemption, hear us, we most humbly beseech you. Grant that as we receive these, your creatures of, <coughs> creatures of bread and wine, according to the holy institution of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, in remembrance of his passion and death, we may be made partakers of the benefits of his atoning sacrifice. We are reminded that in the same night that our Lord was betrayed, he said, as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and offered the blessing. He broke it and he gave it to the disciples and he said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many of the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit or the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Amen and amen. If you would, as, as they distribute the elements, just take them and hold them. and We'll take them together.
jump of all powers above all kings. As these are distributed, this is an encounter with the Lord. It is considered one of the five most holy sacraments. One that we get to share regularly together over and over in our lives. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is broken for you. Take, eat in remembrance of him. blood of our Lord Jesus Christ which was shed for you may it preserve you blameless unto everlasting life drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for you and be thankful I don't know about you. I don't know if anyone feels the the need to come and pray. I know I put a lot out there today. Casey so wonderfully shared her heart and what God has placed on her. You know, there's no magic in these altars. But there is something about giving yourself to God in a public way. Just as there's, there's something special about when we voice our prayers and our needs and our desires and our praise to God. There's just something special in it. You find it over and over in Scripture. So much so that the Hebrews carried around a massive tent and the whole setup and majority of the space was for them to kneel and pray. They built the temple in Jerusalem with the same idea in mind. So there's something, something. Because God's the one that told them, this is how you build it. This is the measurements. The largest portion of it was for prayer, not for the space they put him in. So like I said, I don't know where your heart is. But the altars are here. And I'll stay and pray with you if you like. So we do uh, make close in prayer and uh, we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the witness of Paul. We thank you for the blessing of being able to carry around written scripture in a, in a way that, that for so long believers had no, no such blessing. So I pray that we will take advantage of it. Father, the way to know a person's heart is to know their thoughts and their innermost desires and yours are shared throughout Scripture. So if we truly seek you, that is the place to start. So Father, as we go out into this day and throughout our week that you have made, may we trust you and seek you Lord, I pray you bless us and keep us, that you make your face shine down upon us and be gracious and grant us your peace 
as we share you with all those that you bring into our lives. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. The altars are open.